Welcome to the Tech.eu podcast, where we discuss some of the most interesting stories in European tech today. Let's do this. Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, my name is Robin Wouters. I'm a technology journalist uh, specialized in the European innovation ecosystems. And as you may be aware, uh, also the founder of Tech.eu. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined here today for the TechEU podcast by the co-founder and CEO of what I think is a super interesting deep tech company uh, born in the CEE region, uh, in Bulgaria more specifically. Uh, please welcome Svilen Rangelov. He is co-founder and CEO of a company called Dronamics. Uh, and they're built as the world's first cargo drone airline. Big warm welcome, Svilen. How are you? Thank you. Thank you, Robin. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about Dronamics and what you guys are building over there? Sure. So around 10 years ago, Jeff Bezos went on 60 Minutes and uh, showcased how the future will be all about deliveries by drone. Obviously, <clears throat> they were uh, looking at using very, very small drones uh, to deliver your package to your house. We, My brother and I, who's an aerospace engineer, uh, my background is in economics, uh, he and I were chatting and we were like, this would never work in Bulgaria. This would never work in, you know, a crowded urban setting. It would be great for suburban America or like, I don't know, 5% of the world's population, but um, but not for, for the other 95%. So we started thinking about like, okay, what would drones be good for? And the more and more we thought about it, we realized actually the the true challenge is connecting cities and, uh, and communities that want to trade with each other, uh, but are, happen to be so remote that they always have to trade with like a big center of commerce. So enabling people to shop um, and, and, and make trade between tier two, tier three cities, uh, that's what really inspired us to, to, to begin Dronamics. So you have this idea with your brother, um, you sort of research the market, I guess, what is already out there, what's possible. But then what's the next step? How do you even get started on like building your own airplane, essentially? Yeah, so we we saw, okay, Amazon has all the money in the world. They'll definitely crack uh, eventually the, the small drone delivery market. It's uh, going to be them or China, you know, ultimately mass producing small plastic electronics. It's going to end up a duopoly of sorts. Then on the other end of the spectrum, we saw, you know, again, a duopoly, Airbus and Boeing, super uh, complex airframes, you know, 4 million parts in an airplane. And then in the middle is where we thought we would um, add the most value. You need something the size of a small delivery van because right now you have very big airplanes getting offloaded onto very big trucks, but those very big trucks are not who rings your doorbell. You need an additional step uh, handover to a smaller last mile uh, van. And that's what we wanted to do. So. We did all that research. We we uncovered that um, this could be quite valuable, and then um, checked it with some of my brother's professors at the Technical University in Delft, um, where he had studied, uh, and then applied to uh, an accelerator in Bulgaria called Eleven, got in, and then started working on the company September 2014. A funny story is we promised not to shave until the first full-scale airplane flies, and it took us eight and a half years. And a month ago, uh, a month or two ago, we finally uh, were able to shave because we flew uh, the Black Swan aircraft for the first time. 
Yeah, that's uh, exactly what I was going to mention. The name is Black Swan. Uh, very cool that you had your first commercial uh, flight after less than 10 years, essentially, after the company was founded. Um, and we'll talk more about that in a second, but I want to sort of go back to the early days. Uh, and I realized that from the both of you, your brother is the actual aerospace uh, engineer. Um, but I'm wondering how, in a nutshell, how difficult was it to sort of go from essentially nothing to the first working prototype? Like, what are some of the unexpected challenges that he had to overcome in building this? Well, um, we were both a little bit insiders and a little bit outsiders. And definitely the outsider part helped because we um, always thought we'll be ready sooner than we ended up being. But um, there's a question to be had, you know, Sometimes people say, if, if you if you knew how difficult a task would end up being, would you even start it? I think we would have still done it. But <clears throat> there were a number of challenges, mostly because starting from Bulgaria, a country that hasn't built airplanes for 70 years, uh, you know, there was no existing supply chain. There was no, um, you know, talent to poach from uh, and, and so on. So we had to bring a lot of people back. We had to upskill a lot of people who had just graduated the local university um, we had to essentially uh, wheel it into existence, um, the whole thing. And, and, and that was an order of magnitude harder problem to solve, especially with, uh, you know, a fraction of the funding that some of those companies in the US or Western Europe were able to get. Yeah. Um, was it an option to start the company elsewhere rather than Bulgaria then? It was, uh, you know, both me and my brother had studied and lived abroad. Um, but at the time, 2014, we, you know, we we thought we needed quite a bit of help and support. So an accelerator program would have been best. Uh, at, the, at that time, YC was still 25K uh, initial check. This was the check size of 11 in Bulgaria and also check size of um, my brother's university who also had an accelerator um, then, and we just thought, okay, uh, yeah, YC definitely would help tremendously. Um, but we, uh, we would definitely stretch the dollar a lot longer in Bulgaria, which happens to be, you know, flat 10% taxes, um, lowest cost uh, country in the EU. So it just made uh, a lot of sense to, to base ourselves there. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so let, let's talk about the first flight. Obviously, that's a really big milestone for you guys. Uh, but can you tell us a little bit about the road leading up to that first flight? Like, what, what are some of the, and maybe on the business side even, what are some of the things that you need to sort of um, jump across before you can even start thinking about the first flight? Yeah. No, so we've been, um, <clears throat> th this was the first flight of our first full-scale airplane. Um, we've done uh, test tests and flights of the small scale units that we've built throughout the years. So even to get here, we had to do quite a bit of work. Uh, the flight test campaign began at the end of um, last year. And so the first flight was um, essentially a very important midpoint because we had to do a whole lot of ground tests to get there, taxi tests at different speeds, um, solve quite a bit of, uh, quite a few issues, essentially a whack-a-mole <laughs> game. Right. Um, and it was quite um, quite an achievement to uh, to get the airplane in, in in the air, also because it's it it looks very traditional, but it's actually uh, not. It's very um, innovative. Um, we have 
very high lift uh, capabilities uh, because of the wings and some other elements that we're using. So to the untrained eye, it looks a very conventional airplane, but it's actually much higher performance one. And um, that also adds a lot of uncertainty that we were able to finally clear and validate with this first flight. Now, f we'll continue with the, with the test flights. Um, the program should run towards, uh, I mean, until the end of this year, at which point we'll be able to start commercial service. So our plan is to start commercial flights um, at the end of this year or beginning of next. Um, and we'll start uh, in Greece, uh, flying between some of the islands um, there and some of the uh, less trafficked uh, routes. Yeah. And what, what needs to happen for you to have those uh, commercial flights? Do you need to make deals with the airline specifically? Is it also the airport, uh, the airports that need to get involved? Like, how does it work? So we already have the license. So we're licensed under the new EU drone rules. Um, we remain the only company to have such a license with such a big drone. Um, and we, so, so the license is valid throughout the, all of the EU on particular low risk routes. So then we go to the particular country, Greece, uh, and we talk to the airport authorities. We determine the risk level of each individual route. And then um, we're able to start those flights. Uh, on the commercial side, yes, um, we have a number of agreements with um, customers, uh, including like forwarders or um, or even shippers uh, directly. So it, it, it's a very familiar to the air cargo world uh, where you, you do block space agreements. Essentially, uh, you sell the capacity upfront for a year or more on a given route given time of day, given capacity, and so on. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm guessing uh, a lot of the people from the industry were watching your uh, first first flight very closely. Uh, what were some of the reactions by people from, you know, not inside the company, but from the industry? Uh, the reactions were overwhelmingly super positive and were quite pleased with that because, again, when we were starting, you could draw a Venn diagram of, you know, talent in aerospace, uh, customers, uh, suppliers and investors for what we were going to do. And Bulgaria would hardly touch any of these circles. Uh, and so, so we had to, you know, all these years um, throughout very hard work, um, we were able to um, gain the credibility. And um, as also, it's very pleasing that uh, the reactions were uh, so, so positive because they recognize all those years of hard work of our team, which is now maybe 150 plus people. Wow, that's impressive. And, and how would you summarize very shortly the Black Swan? Like what, what is it? What is so unique about it? Yeah, so <clears throat> we needed an aircraft that will be able to do to, to fly long distances um, in the cheapest possible way. And so we ended up with an airplane shaped device, um, essentially a fixed wing aircraft. Um, it, its wingspan is 16 meters, uh, fuselage is eight meters. Um, it can carry 350 kilograms and um, up to three and a half cubic meters of capacity. Uh, so again, what, what you can fit inside of a Renault Kangoo or Volkswagen Caddy, some of those most common last mile vehicles. And um, yeah, it's made out of carbon fiber. Um, it has 
multiple um, connections through which uh, it's it can be controlled. Um, but ultimately, it's supposed to fly in a predetermined route, right? It's a cargo scenario. It's very simple. The packages need to get to the destination. So that makes it very easy to be a deterministic flight. So deterministic means you get to easily program it in advance. There's always humans in the loop. We have a team of pilots at each airfield that we uh, land in. Uh, but the good thing is also because it's a much smaller aircraft, is is the size of a two-seater aircraft, it can land at very short runways that can even be unpaved. So the future is, you know, we would um, mass produce and, and, and operate these even in, you know, like a village um, in a very remote area. We can service that and we can fly there um, so we can connect it to the world. Very cool. And what do you foresee? Uh, what, what type of cargo do you foresee Black Swan carrying the most? Is it sort of medical supplies? Is it, uh, in, you know, material? Is it for, I don't know, industrial uh, purposes? There's a number of verticals that uh, we can be very helpful for, um, starting from spare parts for industry, let's say your production line, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Let's say your production line uh, breaks down and you know the penalties on your contract can be six or even seven digits. So every hour counts. Um, that's a very low hanging fruit. Um, then medical supplies um, will be doing a trial for, for the UK, uh, NHS in Scotland um, sometime next year where we'll be um, demonstrating, you know, shipping medical supplies um, between islands and um and then there's also the less obvious ones it turns out because of the because we spend so much time on developing a very efficient and um optimized airframe we're actually able to bring down the costs of air freight significantly which means we can be relevant for a lot more um than just the high value goods we can also be um you know, we, we can help a retailer uh, optimize their supply chain by being able to offer same-day service over a very long area. Essentially, we can service all of Europe uh, within um, six hours or less from only three locations, um, something that nobody else can do. And that's um, that can go even for like low-value low goods. Yeah, super cool. So the, the Black Swan, how, how does it work? Do you like iterate on the model or do you mean to mass produce the version that you have now? Or is every version that you built essentially an improvement on the previous one? How does it work? So we plan to do both um, iterations on the design as well as you know starting production of um, the, the, the design that we currently have. Um, we know that this may mean multiple times uh, to build new type of tooling and so on, but uh, largely the concept will be the same. And ultimately, because we're the only user of that aircraft, it makes sense. We're not selling the aircraft to third parties or to other operators. So it's up to us how and when to manage you know, the retirement of each uh, unit in the fleet. Yeah, makes sense. Um, I know from previous conversations that you and I have had that sustainability is very important uh, to the company, uh, both in the way that you build the drone, uh, but also the whole process of actually, you know, uh, um, designing it. Can you elaborate a little bit on that, on how, why it's so important to you? Yeah, so 
it's important. Sustainability is super important because it's also a matter of resource constraint. If you're trying to solve a challenge of getting goods in and out of very remote areas, um, it stands to reason that their supply of energy or other types of things will be similarly very limited. So you need to create a very versatile uh, airframe. So for example, if you want to land in Africa and you want to use electric vehicles, you're going to face a bit of a challenge because in a lot of places, you know, the, the electric grid is either is very unreliable or it doesn't exist. So what you end up doing is putting, you know, fossil fuel into a generator to charge your batteries. So the system, sustainability effect is again, zero. Um, so we decided to actually start with an engine that uses gasoline because it's certified and we can start now and we can start delivering to customers now. We generate, um, you know, a reduction of CO2 emissions by virtue of our airframe because, again, we were optimizing for very fuel efficient um, flights. So we can, even with gasoline, we can save up to 60% of CO2 emissions um, if uh, a customer was going to use us versus the status quo. But we also have partnerships with um, a number of companies, um, for example, Zero Petroleum, who are building um, capacity of synthetic petroleum, so fully synthetically produced um, gasoline, um, as well as with Cranfield Aerospace, who are uh, building hydrogen fuel cells for aviation. So same airframe um, with either minimum or no modifications, um, can be can use multiple types of fuel, and that's uh, going to be quite quite important for the future. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Super interesting. Um, you uh, have to build this prototype or the first uh, drone for a long time. Uh, it's very difficult to do without funding, of course, uh, without external funding. You've already mentioned you went through the eleven accelerator. Uh, what other funding did you pick up along the way, and are you happy with the investors that you've uh, managed to attract? Oh, we are super happy. Um, we, as we were building out credibility, um, our investors essentially to date in, include a mix of early stage funds like Eleven um, and uh, Founders Factory in the UK, Speed Invest out of Austria. Um, but we also um, have literally hundreds of angel investors um, who joined us throughout the years. We started um, finding ourselves on safe notes back in 2018, and uh, we literally ended up raising tens of millions on safe notes uh, to date. Um, and then our l latest um, investor is uh, SDF, Strategic Development Fund, out of um, the UAE. It's a sovereign wealth fund focusing on frontier technology like ours. Um, and we were also a beneficiary of the EIC. So um both uh, both the grant part uh two and a half million as well as the equity component um so the ac will participate in our upcoming series a um we even had to do um some equity crowdfunding on a platform called seed blink um out of romania they're um pan-european now um and 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 even listed a, a safe note on the bulgarian stock exchange using uh, a, a new EU rule that allows for that. Um, so, so, so really, anyone um, with a brokerage account could 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 buy a, a piece of that safe note um, 
and, and become an investor. I think over there we have 1,400 investors, makes us one of the largest trading stocks in the Bulgarian Stock Exchange. Yeah, fantastic. I didn't even know that was possible, actually. So it's the first time I've heard that. Uh, fantastic. Uh, what is the plan for the future? You mentioned you're yeah. doing a pilot uh, in Greece. Uh, you've got sort of for 40 million in pre-series A funding in the bank, 150 people. What's the next two, three years going to look like? So we start uh, operations in Greece uh, at the end of the year, beginning of next. Um, and we'll start with a couple of drones over a single route, and then we'll keep adding drones and adding routes. Um, so within three years, we plan to have um, hit profitability uh, with uh, around uh, 100 drones, and then we'll be able to um, to expand further after that. Uh, we're focusing on entering a number of other markets, the UAE, um, for example, um, uh, as well as Australia and uh, the UK. So yeah, we're quite focused on, uh, on essentially commercialization being the next phase. Fantastic. Then final question. What keeps you up at night as CEO of the company? Uh, thankfully, not that many things uh, since since the first flight. Um, it, it's just, you know, the, the first flight was a tremendous achievement, but it's in the grand scheme of things, it's going to be essentially step one, day one. So making sure that um, the whole team remains that day one kind of mentality. Um, and as we grow, um, we grow the right way uh, in the right places. That's essentially my number one uh, focus. Fantastic. Well, Svilin, uh, it was a pleasure to have you on the TechEU podcast. Uh, thank you so much for sharing some insights on uh, the journey of Dronamics and uh, hopefully a good continuation of the journey. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was great to be here.